Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, how many of you have um, looked at a church website? How many of you have gone online and looked at church websites? Um, first of all, they, they put a lot of pictures on there, mostly because uh, people want to see other people and they want to see a picture of what they're going to experience. Most of you look at church websites before you go. Uh, because you're nervous. You're nervous what those people are going to be like uh, before you get there. And so you're kind of checking them out and shaking them down before you have to actually go see real people. Um, but uh, a lot of times the pastor puts a, a little paragraph or something. I, I think I have something like that on our website. I really haven't looked at it for quite some time. And uh, maybe we should do that someday. Um, but what if it said to you... Uh, it, you know, if you're new here, whatever, check this out. And you went there and it said, we are a church filled with losers. Um, that'd be a tough one, right? That, uh, that's, you know, most, most people say your, uh, your, your website is your best marketing. Uh, um, if that's your best marketing, uh, most of us would say, well, uh, let's not do too much truth in packaging there. Uh, uh, that might be a little too much for anyone. This morning, uh, we are going to be, t- <laughs> excuse me, talking about um, losers and winners, losers and winners. And um, this morning, a- as we look at God's word, uh, the idea of loser is just repulsive to us, isn't it? Uh, uh, most of us can remember being in elementary school and uh, either at recess or uh, playing on a sports team and being called uh, a loser. You're the you're on the team that lost. Um, I, I think it's especially uh, uh, revealing uh, when, you know, that comes to that critical point in the soccer game and uh, you are by yourself. The, the, the net is wide open. You get the ball. And then you kick it over the posts or to the side, to the right, to the left. And any sport is like that, right? Um, I did play soccer uh, when I was in elementary school. And um, I was on the other side of that. I was on the other side of that. When you always put the big guy uh, that's not very fast uh, as a goalie, uh, in, at least when you're little. You know why? Because at least they they cover a lot of space, right? Um, and uh, I remember a couple of shootouts, you know, that uh, you're left standing there, uh, the only one, and um, the other team scores on you, and your team loses. And uh, that look on your teammates when they look to you and they say, "You lost the game for us." Uh, that feeling, and uh, unfortunately, so. Uh, th- that kind of, uh, my, my son always says, you know, you took an L on that one. You know, you took an L. Um, he thinks that's some new thing or something like that. When I was in high school, we used to walk around go looking at people and going like this. But, uh, um, but, uh, um, you know, a, a sports thing or, or a simple thing of life, a, a quiz, a test, things of life, well, we, we lose all the time, and it, it seems like it's no big deal. Um, we uh, sometimes we we think about um, those losses, those days, those games, those sports, whatever, and 
Uh, if someone would ask us about that, well, what happened there? You'd say, uh, who cares about soccer anyways? You know, who cares about that? That was just, you know, a third grade soccer team. It doesn't matter. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Those are small losses. Or maybe uh, there's that uh, thing. I, I hear this all the time with kids when it comes to sports. You say, hey, how'd the game go? And um, they say, well, we lost. But it wasn't my fault. It was a mo- I had a great game. It was, you know, and they start naming the coach. The, or, or maybe it's someone outside of their control. Oh, the umpire or, you know, the rep made some bad calls. And if he wouldn't have done that, it, it we would have won. I was a winner, but we somehow lost is what they're saying. Um, some of you are laughing right now. Um, uh, but I didn't say anything about golf, did I? You know, how'd it go today? Oh, I had this great putt. It was amazing. Well, what was your score? Ah, oh, I had this great putt, you know. Um, or maybe even something else where you quickly change the subject and you talk about some other area where you find yourself to be a winner. Uh, we don't like to uh, consider losses. You know, th- those are those are small things, right? Being a loser in small things. We don't even really like that, but there's other things that are greater, right, in life. And um, as I think about being a man and, you know, the the idea of maybe failing at greater things, failing at your finances, failing at your job, uh, failing in your marriage, uh, failing at your parenting, and then failing maybe at the end of life as you come to the end and you realize the end isn't looking so good. and failing at those things, taking bigger losses. These things um, lead to being characteristic of someone referring to you or you referring to yourself as a loser. It's not just that I lost a game. It's not just that I failed in an area. But those losses come upon us. We find ourselves to be losers. And then uh, it comes to the last thing of this life is our own death, the greatest loss of all. There's no more hope. Um, there's no more get a, uh, we'll get them next time. Uh, it's the idea of it being final and finally uh, bringing to fruition the loss of this life. That's why we mourn. That's why we grieve. This morning, I want to take you to a passage um, that I I hope will be an encouragement to you. It is to my soul. And uh, as I considered this series, um, this was one of the passages that I was excited, uh, knowing that it it should be towards the end that I could preach to you. Um, And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, the last um, section from 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 50. God's word says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to gain great courage to follow you and to walk with you and to trust in you. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The the context of this passage uh, goes like this, that um, it's a letter to the church at Corinth, a dirty church, a, a messy church. And uh, as they come to the end of, of this book, chapter 15 is uh, quite an important chapter when it comes to the doctrine or the, uh, the words of really the gospel and where we go from that and what um, life it gives us. Paul spoke of... Um, Jesus giving himself for us and being raised from the dead, that he gave his life and he uh, rose from the dead. Paul speaks of his resurrection as that which connects to our resurrection, that because of what Christ did in his death and resurrection, we will not die, that we will have life as he has life. And that our, uh, we will gain a, a different body, a heavenly body, that will be different and like His. And so it's an amazing passage uh, that speaks of um, the great riches and the important um, teaching of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's on the basis of this this morning um, that I, I want to bring to you uh, you know, the bad word uh, that we already talked about is being a loser, being a loser. But uh, in Christ, because of what he has done, we're talking about being a winner, being a winner. Um, this morning we were singing uh, Joy to the World. And uh, some of the words that stood out to me as we were uh, singing, joyful and triumphant. Um. The context of this whole idea of losing and winning in the Scripture, uh, when we think of losing and winning, we always think of sports. Always. Why? Because we're Americans. We love our sports or worship our sports or whatever you want to say. But and, And when you think of winning and losing, there's a score at the end. And the scoreboard tells the score. And you look up there and and you look and you see, I'm the winner or I'm the loser. Back kids' teams, they they take a picture in front of the scoreboard uh, to mark that time. I want to tell you, 
uh, even as I shared about sports, this is not in the context of sports teams. It's in the context of war. War. Are you a winner or are you a loser at war? Um, I'll just refer back to it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, similar passage. It was the other passage that I might have preached this morning, but um, just getting greedy by going there for a moment. The 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says this, but thanks be to God uh, who in Christ always leads us in the triumphal procession and through us spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And, and the picture is this. Uh, this triumphal procession, it, it's a parade. And uh, in, in parades after war, they would do this all the time where they would, the, the ones who conquered would come in and, and the, the, the armies would walk through the streets and, and people would share uh, either excitement or dread based on who won. And, and the idea that oftentimes those who had been captured would even be put on display as those, the spoils of war. And they would be led and they would all go back to the king and his kingdom that would win. But the picture here is that Christ leads us. Christ, Christ does for us. He won the war and so him winning the war, he leads us to be a part of the parade. And so this morning, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's all about us becoming winners, becoming victorious because of the work of Christ. In verse 50, and I'll, I'll go through these uh, quickly um, so that we can get to the, the victory. But if you look at verses 50 through 52, we see that we need to be changed. Um, we struggle with this, even if you study, uh, study this over and over again. Our bodies, our earthly bodies, will be changed. This isn't the body that we'll be in heaven uh, with. Uh, it should have been a hallelujah or something like that, or amen or something like that. Uh, it's harder for young people to get that, right? Uh, older people, it, it sounds great, right? The idea that this body, uh, though somehow resembling who we are now, uh, will be changed. And uh, in verses 50 through 52, you see uh, th this idea that uh, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It needs to be changed. It's not our bodies right now aren't fit for heaven. Um, as he goes on, he, he says that the perishable will inherit the imperishable, meaning that which is falling apart here needs to uh, gain a new uh, constitution, that which is imperishable. And so he says at the end of verse 51 that all will be changed. Uh, it speaks of that time where um, the trumpet will sound and they will be raised. Uh, and once again, raised imperishable, different, different than we are now. Um, and we shall be changed. Uh, for those of you who maybe are struggling with this concept, we need to be retrofitted forever, okay? Uh, changed and fit forever, uh, that we would be what we need to be. 
In verse 53, he moves from this idea that he's already spoken of it uh, from being temporary to being eternal. It's hard for us to get. Uh, how many of you have health insurance? Okay. Um, and if you've ever uh, shopped for health insurance and seen commercials or even drug, uh, they're, they're promising a lot, right? Uh, they're promising we can keep you alive and healthy forever. That's not true. Even if you pay a lot of money for it. Even if you pay a lot of money for it. Um, one of the wealthiest men I, I, I've known personally uh, got cancer. And so he spent whatever it took to get the best care. And he's in heaven right now. Okay? Uh, it couldn't stave it off. It couldn't, it, it couldn't stop it from happening. Okay? And so as we look at this, we realize that this is um, temporary and it needs to become eternal. Uh, verse 53, he says, For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Uh, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. This is what happens. This is the next step. This is the goal, okay? Uh, as you think, and, and for us down here, we don't need to necessarily understand that, but know it's coming, okay? Knowing that it needs to happen. Uh, as you look at your body and as you try to manage your health, um, know this. I'm not suggesting uh, duct tape and bailing wire, uh, but it's all a temporary fix. It's just temporary. Um, you, you know, as you look at your house or your car or whatever, uh, some of you, uh, your, your cars, uh, the tread are low on their tires. And you, and you look down at it and you say, um, I should probably sometime get some new tires. Uh, but, but you look at it and you say, well, I'm going to get rid of that junker uh, in a couple of years anyways. No new tires for that. That's managing it, right? That's not saying, I can bring this car back to the original specs. This car can last forever. I want to tell you, this body will not last forever. It won't. And so for us to remember that is uh, probably helpful as we think about what we're doing right now. As we look at God's Word uh, and really bringing to uh, this, this idea uh, that the perishable puts on the imperishable, we come to verse 54. Um, actually, the um, yeah middle of verse fifty-four. It says, "Death uh, is swallowed up in victory." Death is swallowed up in victory. And I, I just say this: uh, the, these fifty-four through fifty-six, death loses, and death never loses. Think about that: death loses, and death never loses. Um, when, when you think about it, uh, you know, two things you can't, uh, get rid of in this life. What are they? Death and taxes, right? Uh, and the idea there is they're inescapable. They're inescapable. They're, it, it will always happen. You can't get rid of it, right? Uh, you can not pay your taxes, but they'll find you somehow, right? They'll send you letters. Death and taxes. And the point is, they're connecting 
taxes with the greatest loss, right? I won't get into any political things. But anyways, uh, death, death, this idea that it's over. It's the final loss. And, and as we look at that, we go, uh, you know, that, that's awful. No one can escape death. But I want to tell you, death loses in this passage. It loses. And death never loses, right? It seems like it always wins. As you look at this, you see this in, in verse 54 in the middle there. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. I find that swallowed up pretty interesting. Um, uh, if you think about fighting, you think about, well, you know, the fists are up and they're swinging and, and one guy gets hit and he gets knocked down. He gets knocked down. So one enemy beat the other and he got knocked down. There's a winner. This isn't uh, Christ and death fighting like this and go, oh, uh, Christ won the victory. Swallowed up. Swallowed up. There's this little fish in the sea seeing this huge monstrous fish and, and you don't even see the fish anymore. It's gone forever. Swallowed up. And death is swallowed up in the victory. The victory that we're talking about here uh, is going to make uh, death unimportant, gone forever. Uh, kind of hard for us to imagine. Uh, in verse 55, he goes on to speak of death, and he says, oh, death, and it, it's this taunting kind of thing. It, it, it's this questioning, and uh, as one fighter would to another, he says, where is your power? Like, oh, death, where is your victory? How can you win, death? You, where is it that you're going to have this great victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Even uh, uh, less than that, where is even the pain of death. Where's that sting? And by the way, um, for I know we struggle with this. I, I know that even as I preached this before, people have come up to me and said, you know, I struggle with that passage because uh, I had a loved one who I lost them and there was great pain. There was great sting, if you will, in death. And I, I just want to tell you two things. First of all, it's because it's hard for us to conceive. It's hard for us to get our head around. Uh, the, the better place is not just the better place. It's the best place for us. It's better for someone to be in heaven with the Lord than to be down here struggling in this life. It's better. But the second thing I want to tell you that, that this is speaking of the person. The person. The person, the one who's experiencing death, the one who is struggling in this life and then their death comes, it's that they're, for them, experiencing all that God has saved them for, it will not feel like a sting. It will feel like I'm finally home, victorious. Hard for us to imagine. We struggle with these things. He says, uh, not that he punched or got kicked or even flicked in some way brought about, but swallowed up. Nor Not victory, not sting. Uh, he says in verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. By the way, we don't know 
the law can be referred to a lot of different things in the Old Testament. Uh, the whole of it, the whole of it, the laws per se, the different things where he says he lists out, uh, God has listed out, or the Ten, the Ten Commandments, or even just a summary of all those things, the law. And the problem with the law, the problem with the law, and I don't want to say problem in a sense that it wasn't good, it was good and accurate because it came from the Lord. But the problem with the law was this, is that we are not able to accomplish it. That the law, when given, um, just allowed people to know where they've offended God. It just showed them that it was written in His Word that they were wrong. Losers, right? Losers. fail. Failures. And as you look at the law, there's great power in it because it shows in black and white, if you will, where we have offended God. And so it's not that before the law, sin wasn't able to happen, but uh, as we got the law, it was just been able to identify. This is the place. This is the law. This is the particular thing that you've offended God with. So death loses and de death never loses. And then verse 57. And this is the one. This is the one. Hear it. Um, victory is yours. Victory is yours. Um, this is, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it to you. Uh, if I can put these things side by side, you have lost. You have lost. You've done things that have been losses. And in the end, apart from Jesus, your whole life will be characterized as a loser. But listen to this. But, but look at that place. Verse 57. Where is it in your Bible? Um, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gives it to you. As you look back and you put it in context with what has already been spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15. It's Jesus' death and resurrection. It's what He did. And as He did that, it says this. Because of what He did, He gives the victory to you. He gives it to you. Nothing you've done. Not, not something you've added to the perfect work of the cross. He gave you the victory. Now, it is hard for us to get. I, I, I want you to hear it clearly. Um, so, victorious. You get that this idea of, I'm the winner. I'm the winner. Um, back to sports or, or to politics, winning wars, whatever. Um, we quickly go, uh, if we have got the medal, uh, if the scoreboard says we had more points than the other team, we, we quickly go as people to, I am the best. I, I, I'm the winner. I did it. I did it. But be careful, verse 57 doesn't say you did it. 
says, you've got it. He's given to you. He's received. Uh, why? Uh, you know, and we struggle. We struggle. Um, I remember um, joking about losing. I was at a camp one time and uh, there were some high school kids and um, I made some joke about losing a game or you know, something. I don't, I don't know why. And this girl says, no, don't say that. No, you're a winner. And I, I was thinking, if you really knew how proud I was inside of everything else, you wouldn't be trying to encourage me to be more proud. You know, you would, you'd be wanting to humble me. But anyways, I just, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't have any problems or, you know, um, but but this idea that we want to talk people out when we fail, we want to say, "No, you're not a failure. No, uh, your works are good. God's really impressed with you. He thinks you're the best. That's why he sent Jesus because he needed you on his team. That's not true. That's not true. We were losers." We were losers. And he made us winners. He made us victorious. Through the cost of his son on the cross. What a powerful, powerful thing for us to contemplate as we think of just getting done with Thanksgiving and then celebrating uh, what it is, the, the birth of our, our Savior. Um. He gives us the victory when we had already lost. He gives it to us. And as He gives us, it wasn't through uh, our winning, uh, but it was through Jesus, not us getting better. I want to take a step back and just conclude with this. Um, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. Did you see that in there? How do we live in, uh, in Thanksgiving? Is thanks be to God. Um, and you, you should go through this process. And uh, I, I don't mean to like make banners of your losses or anything like that, but in your own mind and heart to, to remind yourself, I failed, I failed, but Jesus gave me the victory. So thanks be to God. Thanks, thanks to the Father for giving and loving me in such a way. Uh, he gave us His Son that he might take my place. Thanks be to God. This passage ends uh, verse 58 uh, with how to live in light of being a, a, a winner. Living in light of the victory that Jesus won and gave you. It goes like this. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I just say it this way. Live like you got nothing to lose. And with the confidence that the win has already been won. Already been won. Like, like it's done. It's, it's completed. Um, joyful and triumphant, right? Not because we have been the smartest or the best or the strongest because Jesus has given given it to us. By the way, in verse fifty eight, um, it, it's it's not moving from that, right? It's it's keep standing in that. 
don't move from that spot of trust in Jesus. The great failure that we would have is moving away from Jesus. Uh, so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep standing and not quit in the Lord, continuing to serve Him, uh, glorying in the fact that He's won it for us. We have the victory. Uh, he is the one who has made us triumphant. Please join me in prayer. God, help us uh, to grasp this important and eternal truth that though um, our lives are marked with failure and losses, and in the end, apart from Jesus, our death will be that final nail in our coffin. Death will be uh, victory over us. Death loses because of Jesus. God, I pray that we would cling to the cross, cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that He died and rose again, that I might live forever. God, I pray that we would um, carefully uh, and joyfully remind ourselves that we are winners. We, we have gained the victory through what Your Son Jesus has done for us. God, thank You for this time to be in Your Word. We thank you for what you've given us. It's in your son's name.